I always didn't think I could push the button. <laughs> anyway, would you please join me in a moment of silence for those addicts that are still suffering? And is there any prayer, please? God, I understand to accept the things that cannot change, the things that can, and what is it to We have some suggested readings in NA. I've asked some people to read, so if they could come up here and queue up for me, please, so that we can move through this a little bit quicker. So, first from Oakville. Reading Who is an Addict? All Francais. Please welcome Terry Ann. Terry Ann Addict. Or Dépendant. Qui est dépendant ou dépendant? La plupart d'entre nous ne se posent pas deux fois la question. Nous le savons. Notre vie entière et toute, nos pensées étaient centrées sur la drogue une forme ou une autre, sans procurer, en consommer et chercher les moyens pour en obtenir davantage. Nous consommions pour vivre et vivions pour consommer. Un dépendant est tout simplement un homme ou une femme dont la vie est dominée par la drogue. Nous sommes des personnes sous l'emprise du maladie continuelle et progressive qui finissent toujours de la même manière en prison, à l'hôpital ou à la mort. We're on a serious low budget. We're, we're sharing readers back here. And uh, what is the NA program? Jennifer M. from Nova Scotia. I'm Jennifer and I'm an addict. What is the Narcotics Anonymous program? NA is a nonprofit fellowship or society of men and women for whom drugs have become a major problem. We are recovering addicts who meet regularly to help each other stay clean. This is a program of complete abstinence from all drugs. There is only one requirement for membership, the desire to stop using. We suggest that you keep an open mind and give yourself a break. Our program is a set of principles written so simply that we can follow them in our daily lives. The most important thing about them is that they work. There are no strings attached to DNA. We are not affiliated with any other organizations. We have no initiation fees or dues, no pledges to sign, no promises to make to anyone. We are not connected with any political, religious, or law enforcement groups and are under no surveillance at any time. Anyone may join us, regardless of age, race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or lack of religion. We are not interested in what or how much you've used or who your connections were, what you have done in the past, how much or how little you have, but only in what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. The newcomer is the most important person at any meeting because we can only keep what we have by giving it away. 
We have learned from our group experience that those who keep coming to our meetings regularly So, since the last reading, three of us are now sharing these readers. Hi, Benjamin. And another reader from Nova Scotia, Denise S. From today's seminary, why are we here? Before coming to the fellowship of NA, we cannot manage our own lives. We cannot live and enjoy life as other people do. We had to have something different, and we thought we had found it in drugs. We placed the use ahead of the welfare of our families, our wives, husbands, and our children. We had to have drugs at all costs. We did many group people great harm, but most of all, we harmed ourselves. Through our inability to accept personal responsibilities, we were actually creating our own problems. We seemed to be incapable of facing life on its own terms. Most of us realized that in our addiction, we were slowly committing suicide. But addiction is such a cunning enemy of life that we had lost the power to do anything about it. Many of us ended up in jail or sought help through medicine, religion, and psychiatry. None of these methods were sufficient for us. Our disease always resurfaced or continued to progress until in desperation we sought help from each other in Narcotics Anonymous. After coming to NA, we realized we were sick people. We suffered from a disease of which there is no known cure. It can, however, be arrested at some point in recovery than possible. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for all the work that the committee has done to put this together. How it works. If you want what we have to offer and are willing to make the effort to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. These are the principles that made our recovery possible. One, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives could become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, we admitted God to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, we continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted. Eleven, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His hand for us and the power to carry that. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to addicts and the practice principles in all our things. This sounds like a big order and we can't do it all at once. We didn't become addicted in one day, so we never do that. There is one thing more than anything else that will defeat us in our recovery. This is an attitude of indifference or intolerance towards spiritual principles. 
Three of these that are indispensable work. Honesty, With these, we're well on our way. We feel that our approach to disease is the addiction is completely realistic. For the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is so paramount. We feel that our way is practical, for one addict can best understand and help another addict. We believe that the sooner we face our problems within society and everyday living, it's that much faster than we become acceptable, responsible, and productive members of that society. The only way to keep from turning to active addiction is not to take up our service. If you're like us, you know the one is too many and the thousand is enough. We put great emphasis on this, for we know that when we drugs in any form, or substitute one for another, we release our addiction all over again. Thinking of alcohol is different from other drugs that still cause a great many addicts to relapse. Before we came to any, many of us treat alcohol separately, and we cannot afford to be confused about this. Alcohol is a drug. We are people with a disease of addiction who must abstain from all drugs in order to recover. Thank you, James. And from Sarnia, we call the vision Terry Lynn. Hi, I'm Terry Lynn. I'm an addict. The call conditions of your name. We keep what we have only with vigilance. And just as freedom for the individual comes from the 12 steps, so freedom for the group springs from our traditions. As long as the child that comes together as strong as we know that the care is apart, all will be well. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on anonymity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or enemy as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. Six, an enemy group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the enemy to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from its primary purpose. Seven, Every NA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Narcotics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, NA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Narcotics Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the NA may not never be drawn to public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place Understanding these traditions comes slowly over a period of time. We pick up information as we talk to members and visit various groups. It usually isn't until we get involved with service that someone points out that personal recovery depends on any unity, and that unity depends on how well we follow our traditions. The 12 traditions of NA are not negotiable. They are the guidelines that keep our fellowship alive and free. By following these guidelines in our dealings with others and society at large, we avoid many problems. 
That is not to say that our traditions eliminate all problems. We still have to face difficulties as they arise. Communication problems, differences of opinions, internal controversies, and troubles with individuals and groups outside the fellowship. However, when we apply these principles, we avoid some of the pitfalls. Many of our problems are like those that our predecessors had to face. Their hard-won experience gave birth to the tradition, and our own experience has shown that these principles are just as valid today as they were when these traditions were formulated. Our traditions protect us from the internal and external forces that could destroy us. They are truly the time to bind us together. It is only through understanding and application that they work. Thank you. Did I mention that we're streaming this live? Do you know that addicts anywhere in the world could listen to this meeting tonight? Have you let them know yet? We're watching those numbers climb over there. Let's get that message out. So, we have a speaker tonight. He's not really sure what I'm going to say about him. But neither am I. Let's see. I do have some good stuff. I met the speaker. Well, it's not a speaker. His name's Steve. <laughs> speaker Steve. Um, probably like 14 years ago or something like that, when he begged me to sponsor him. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> they don't find it funny. It's not true either. But, <laughs> but you know, he, he knows my, my silly sense of humor. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've got to do some, some service together and, uh, over the years, travel some places. Uh, he's watched with amazement as I've babbled in different kind of workshops and things like that. True. But I've watched him babble too. We're, we've worked really well together on world conventions in the past and uh, got to work here this week. He's, he's a friend, please, yeah. Yeah. so far. He's a friend, uh, he's a, a hardcore NA member. Uh, I won't tell you what he does for a living, he can tell you if he wants. But it's kind of cool. And, um, you know, we, we, on some of those trips, I know he's listened to me whine a couple of times. I'm thinking of one in Florida, do you Because yeah, I whine. But I don't anymore, right, Steve? No. no. Anyway, um, I think that you're going to enjoy this chair, or Steve's going to give your money back. <laughs> Every one of you in American dollars. So you might be able to make some money out of this. Let me introduce you to my friend. Steve R. from California.
Je souhaite des pendants, mon And that's all the French you're going to get out of me tonight. So my name is Stephen Manatti. Um, Paul's got a great sense of humor, and uh, I will not be giving anybody their money back. So uh, save your complaints for your sponsor. Um, um, my wife is listening. I love my wife. Um, <laughs> Now wait a minute, even if my wife wasn't listening, I would still love my wife. Um, I'm from Los Angeles. My wife is uh, at home uh, in L.A. right now, and um, I'm here. And I'm grateful to be here. Uh, it's, it's an honor to, uh, to be asked to speak. Uh, a woman I used to know used to say getting asked to speak is like getting asked to be married. She said, I don't want to get married, I just want to get asked. And uh, getting asked to speak is a lot like that. Her name was Dot, Dot Tally. She's gone now, but she was one of the uh, first me any members in Pittsburgh where I got clean. And um, I love that saying because it really kind of fits. You know, it's very, it's, it's an honor. Uh, it makes you, you know, it makes you feel all tingly inside when somebody's uh, uh, asked you to do it. And then, of course, you know, as that moment approaches, the, uh, the weight of the responsibility begins to get heavier and heavier. And uh, um, it's, a, uh, it's a wonderful honor, but it's a deep responsibility. And um, uh, one that I try not to take lightly. I try to enjoy myself with it because, you know, uh, it's the adventure. And it changes color. Uh, in case you didn't notice. Some of us, by the way, are colorblind. If you're colorblind, raise your hand. There you go. There's a few of us in here that are colorblind. We don't know what colors they are, but we know it's changing, right? Yeah. So, um, um, they make colorblind glasses, and I was asked if I wanted to actually begin to wear colorblind glasses so I could see colors like you do, and um, of course, I didn't want the colorblind. What, what's the use, right? Yeah, what's the use? I don't want the colorblind glasses. Anyways, that's a colorblind joke. You gotta be colorblind. Um, um, so, um, I've been here since Monday. Sunday. I've been here since Sunday. I came in to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, be present for the CANA meeting, the Can Canadian Assembly of Narcotics Anonymous, the, the, the committee that's responsible for this event, the oversight of this event. Uh, they, um, they're, they're a zonal forum that spans uh, uh, the, the country of Canada from coast to coast to coast. And, um, uh, you know, they're responsible for some really, really great service that goes on uh, behind the scenes that supports your group uh, and helps members find narcotics anonymous, helps members find your home group. Um, you know, they get a national, uh, and it, it is the plug for them. And if it's, you know, I'm not a member of the committee, so I can do a shameless plug. And then I'll be shameless. And, um, 
they, uh, they did a national uh, public service announcement campaign uh, last year and aired this, uh, these television PSAs across the country. Uh, I don't know, like a thousand, something like that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the community that's responsible for the toll-free number that anywhere in Canada you pick up the phone and you can find out where your home group is. And uh, uh, you know who calls helplines, right? Um, I haven't called a helpline in a while, but uh, newcomers call helplines. And, um, you know, and they, uh, they're, that, uh, they're that resource to help newcomers find your meeting. And, um, and they, uh, they operate a website that, again, uh, provides information about Narcotics Anonymous and helps members find your home group. So uh, I just uh, I appreciate the work that they do. Uh, like so much of the service work that goes on in Narcotics Anonymous, it's not, um, it's not something that a lot of people see a lot of. Because uh, um, I don't know about you, but I'm not up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch those PSAs anymore. There was a time when uh, 3 o'clock in the morning was me, um, a backgammon, I had this backgammon board, and I would play backgammon by myself. Um, and I would have the television on in the background, and, um, you know, doing the thing that we do, and, uh, and I'd always forget whose turn it was, you know. And uh, it's really frustrating. I have, to start the, I have to start the game all over again. Um, I'm telling you. Um, uh, I play back here occasionally, usually not 3 o'clock in the morning and um, never with the TV on anymore. Uh, but they do those kind of things. So thanks to Canna for uh, hosting this event. Thanks for asking me to, uh, uh, to speak tonight. And thanks for all the work that you do uh, uh, on behalf of the Addicts Across the Fellowship to help the newcomers. Thank you. How much time do I got? Okay, thanks. You know, I got, I was bad, I got clean, I found an A, it got better, and now it's good, thanks. Um, it was bad, I mean, it was bad. I, you know, when I started, it was, you know, I was thinking about the theme of the convention, the, the adventure. And uh, when I, you know, when I was like 12, 13 years old, um, Change his color in case you weren't paying attention. Um, when I, I can see it out of the corner of my eye every once in a while. Uh, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I started getting high with my cousin Danny. My cousin Danny and I, we got this quart of Wellwood Contact Cement. It's, uh, it's construction adhesive. And we poured, them in, poured the glue into these brown paper bags. And we put the bags on our face and we inhaled the vapors until we were unconscious. That was an adventure. It was, it was an adventure. Uh, I like to say it wasn't a social experience. I wasn't a social group, group sniffer, but it was an adventure. And, um, you know, we got the glue all over ourselves, and, uh, you, know, um, you know, that stuff would make you hallucinate in ways that was, uh, you know, it made other hallucinogens not seem hallucinogenic. Anyways, um, uh, uh, and as I moved through uh, those years, um, I really felt like I was trying to exercise an adventure. You know, I, I was willing, uh, 
when it came to drugs, there were two things. I was fearless. Uh, I never met a drug I didn't do. I never, I never said, oh, no, I'm not doing that one. Uh, you may have had that kind of, you know, illusion going on, but I didn't. Uh, I, you know, I never met a drug I didn't like. And um, I never turned, I don't, I don't recall ever turning down a drug. Um, I always felt like, you know, more is better. Some is good. Some is good. More is better. And too much, that's just right. That was my motto. And, um, you know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't say that back then, but that, you know, when you look at the way I use, that's what, that's what my behavior said. And, um, you know, as life went on, uh, it became less and less an adventure. Um, one of the things that my, my first wife and I used to do, my, 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 my last wife, not the current wife, uh, um, my last wife used to do. I, I'm on wife number two. By the way, if you're on wife number three and it's the same as wife number one, you're probably an addict. And <laughs> it'll be different just time, get it? Yeah, okay. Um, before we were married, my first wife and I, uh, one of the things that we would do is we would pack up the 1971 Ford Pinto station wagon with all of our camping gear, and we would head north from, uh, from Pittsburgh. And if you head north from Pittsburgh, you know where you hit, Toronto. And, um, and then we would, go from, we would go further up and up to Montreal or over to Algonquin, or maybe if, uh, if I had a really big bag, we would head towards New Brunswick and maybe even Nova Scotia. Because I always, you know, I always, my, I always planned my mileage around my, my, my bag, around my sack. And, because, um, you know, you can only go so far. And, um, um, and of course, what always happened, always, you know, on the way out of town, I was generous, I was uh, giving, I was, you know, there was an abundance that existed uh, on the way out of town. And, um, you know, and then I, you know, eventually, inevitably, I would run out three days before it was time to come back. And um, you heard how much French I speak. Imagine me in northern Quebec. Uh, on the morning when it runs out. And um, I don't speak French. And many of the people in Quebec either pretend like they don't speak English or, or really don't. Um, in any case, uh, I would find myself in front, where I would go, because I knew where you guys were, where I would go is to the liquor store. And in the morning, and I would wait for you. You know, it would be 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd drag Diane, my, my ex-wife, out of bed. We'd pack up the camping gear, and, you know, I'd make some excuse. But we'd be sitting in front of wherever they sell uh, liquor uh, because I knew one of you guys would show up. And, you know, and I'd see that, you know, I'd see the other, you know, the liquid folks would show up, and, you know, I'd let them come and go, but I knew you when I saw you. And... Um, uh, you know, that's another thing about addicts. It's a wonderful thing about addicts. You know, we can identify each other. We see each other and we know who we are. Almost anywhere on the globe, except for Las Vegas. <laughs> In Las Vegas, everybody looks like an addict. Um, something to keep in mind. Um, well, hopefully not. But anyway, um, 
so, you know, I'd, I'd wait for you. And, um, you know, and it's kind of funny now. I mean, it was desperate and pitiful back then. You know, and then there would be that miserable ride home. And the last day, uh, it was always 1,200 miles going 80 miles an hour from to whatever time. Now, whether I had to roll in at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I didn't care because I could always find something once I got back to my, to my neighborhood. Back to, you know, uh, where the length of my leash would usually keep me uh, a hostage. You know, um, and uh, and again, as, as as my using days progressed, my uh, the adventure in my life continued to uh, uh, lessen and lessen, and the desperation and the um, uh, and the uh, degradation um, and the. Uh, uh, inability to meet my responsibilities as a as a husband, as a parent, as a son, um, uh, diminished, um, and um, uh, it just kept getting worse. Um, I got a couple of stories, and I'm just I, you know I I, I, w- I was talking to uh, uh, Clay before the meeting, and, and he said you 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 tell stories, and I and I, I realized I got a library of stories. I have. I have some stories I tell, and I, so I'm going to tell this, and um, if you heard it before, I apologize, uh, but, um, so, I, I lived in Pittsburgh, and, you know, Pittsburgh isn't Toronto, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's, it's not Calgary, but we have winter in Pittsburgh, we have, I mean, we have more of a winter in Pittsburgh than they have in Los Angeles, that's for sure. Winter in Los Angeles is like 50 degrees, and people are like putting on, you know, uh, 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 major winter wear to uh, deal with the 50 degrees. Anyways, it was winter in Pittsburgh was the last winter uh, that I used, uh, winter of 85, 86. I've been clean since August 3rd in 1986, by the way. Um, 30 years clean in Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, and I am so grateful for the people who came before me and uh, had meetings open uh, for me to come to. Um, so, but that last winter, before I even had heard about Narcotics Anonymous, I, um, um, I was married to Diane at the time. And, um, you know, uh, for, the, for the last couple of years of my using, it was, uh, it was desperate, despicable, it was miserable. It was just miserable. Uh, there was no adventure going on. I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't keep a car. Um, I couldn't keep money in my pocket. I, you know, and uh, and and I had trouble keeping the stick off. And um, uh, and I I did. I I wrecked a car that winter. Nothing new. I, I wrecked every car I ever. I literally I wrecked every car I ever owned up until that point. And um, fifteen of them or something like that. My son and I sat down one time and got fifteen of them. I think it was. Anyway, I wrecked my car, and I went out a week later. I took my, my wife's car, and, and I wrecked her car. Uh, and, and, you know, it was always the same scenario. I'd go to cop, and um, I don't know about you, but when the chemical was present, I used. I didn't wait. I wasn't taking the chance that something might happen between now and then. And, uh, and I was getting it in me. And, um, and so I'd go, I'd cop, and... Um, and, and I'd use, and then I'd try and make my way home. 
and sometimes I made it, and sometimes I didn't. Um, uh, so, uh, so I, you know, I, I, I took my wife's car out, and uh, much to her chagrin, and on the way back, I, uh, I crashed her car into a into a telephone pole, and um, um, and ended up in the emergency. Anyways. Uh, they, sent, they, they called my wife, they told her to come and get me, she said, keep them, and uh, uh, I had a half a five dollar bill in my pocket, and they called me a taxi, and this taxi came, and I had blood, I had facial wounds, they had to stitch up, so I had blood all over the front of me, and I, I remember handing this taxi cab driver this half a five dollar bill, and, uh, and said, take me, not home, don't take me home, I said, take me back to the car. Because before the cops got to the accident scene, I had stashed my shit underneath the front seat. And, and I don't know about you guys, but as long as the chemical was available, I used and, uh, and I wasn't leaving that stash overnight. I was going to get it because I wasn't done. And, uh, but that ain't the story. The story is that I, you know, I finished that off, and a couple of days later it came time to, uh, I needed more. I needed to re-up, as we say. We didn't use that term back then. Um, but... Um, uh, and I ran out of cars. I didn't have any cars left, and it was wintertime. It was cold. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Toronto cold, but it was cold. And, um, and I lined up, a, 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 you know, a purchase, but I didn't have the means to get there. And at one time, they used to deliver to me. One time, I had good credit. I, you know, um, I used to work in restaurants, and you know, people would be bringing in the lettuce, they'd be bringing in the roast beef, and bringing in the cocaine, you know. And it was, uh, you know, it was just another delivery that day. And um, uh, but that, those days were long gone, and um, so it, I, I needed to, I needed to go cop. And um, I had an idea. Uh, I lived on an old remnant of a farm, uh, this old farmhouse, this acre of ground that was left. And when I moved in there into this old farm, my brother-in-law uh, gave me this um, this old beat-up garden tractor and um, old Sears 15 horsepower garden tractor and. Um, one headlight was kind of hanging off, and um, you know the muffler was shot, and, um, and I thought, I wonder, I wonder. I hadn't had it running all winter, you know, and um, cause you don't cut the grass in the wintertime, and uh, I thought, let me just give it a try. And so I put my winter coat on, and I went out in the garage and fired that mother up, and. Uh, um, and so, I, you know, I don't know what the roads are here, but it, it's a main two-lane highway in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm tooling down this highway on my garden tractor. Um, uh, you know, three miles an hour, you know? And, um, and, you know, I got about 25 cousins back there. I got a lot of family back there. and. Um, I got one cousin, his name is Ricky, and uh, you know, Ricky was driving his black pickup truck that day and he pulled over on the side of the road and he said, Steve, what the hell are you doing? And um, you know, I said, I'm going to cop, you want to come? Um, you know, what are you doing, what am I doing? I'm doing what I got to do today. Um, and, uh, and the best part of that story, for, from my perspective anyway, the best part of that story, the connection's name was John. Uh, John had this split-level house in this 
uh, quiet suburban community, you know, keeping a, a really low profile, you know. And uh, it wasn't like I was going to the, you know, to, to the projects or something, you know. I was, um, I was heading into suburbia on my Sears tractor, and uh, and I come, I come tooling in on his, on his front yard. Uh, in February, with the headlight and the and the, and the muffler, and the, and he walked out of his front door, and I'll never forget the you know the look of disgust and disbelief on his face. Um, you know, what the hell are you doing? You know? And um, yeah, I, you know, I I I was completely indifferent to the situation. I was I was just happy I had arrived. And uh, you know, can we get down to business? And um, uh, and, and we did, and I stayed way too long, and uh, I really don't even remember driving that tractor home. <laughs> um, I used to tell that story a lot. That's the end of the story, by the way. I used to tell that story a lot, and um, I was talking to a guy one time. There's a penitentiary in Pittsburgh, Western Penitentiary, which is a state penitentiary, and um, uh, and a guy kind of came up to me after a meeting and he said, you know, if you was half a dope being I was, you just sold that damn tractor. You, you got one in the car. Uh, it's an interesting point. And, uh, uh, and then, and then I, I was telling the story one night and a guy from Wisconsin, John was his name, John from Wisconsin came up to me and he said, you know what, Stephen, in Wisconsin, everybody cops on a tractor. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> well, okay, I do fit in somewhere. You know, it's nice to fit in. And, you know, I've got other funny stories. I took a lie detector test one time after consuming a half a gram of cocaine. Um, I don't know if you've ever taken a lie detector test. They hook you up to a blood pressure cuff, a heart monitor, and a sweat monitor, and start asking you questions. And, and uh, you know, after I, I mean, they could have asked me what color is the sky, and, you know, I would have probably failed. Uh, but um, uh, that was another bright idea I had one day. Um, you know, there's one thing about uh, me that I know uh, now that I didn't know then. And I learned through Narcotics Anonymous. It took me a long time. Um, but I know this now. Um, nobody believes my bullshit like I believe my bullshit. You know, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I have no problem getting on a track and going down the road. I had no problem taking a lie detector test after consuming a half gram of cocaine. I had no problem uh, putting the lives of my children in jeopardy on a regular basis because it was going to be okay. It'll be okay. This will be the last time I do this. I'll never take him here again. I won't leave him alone. I'm not going to use this much tomorrow. You know, all of those lies, uh, I'll be back in a minute. Oh, uh, here's a good one. I'll sell five and keep two. Right? Yeah. I believe that one every time. Um, and I'll go home, lock the door, pull down the blinds, take the phone off the hook, and wonder why I came up short. Um, uh, I believe my own lies. You know, and uh, um, uh, you know, this, uh, one of the things that I know uh, about uh, about Narcotics Anonymous is um, uh, that the, the the essence of step one is. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff packed into step one, but one of the things that's absolutely critical for me to remember the primary thing, the thing that step one is trying to tell me before it tells me anything else, 
is I believe my own lies. I believe my own lies. I didn't need to admit to my ex-wife that I was an addict. I truly didn't need to do that. I didn't tell, need to tell my I didn't need to tell my three-year-old daughter that I had a drug problem. She knew it. She knew I was sick, and there was this stuff that made me better. I didn't need to tell any employer I ever had. I didn't need to tell my neighbors. They all knew I was an addict. I didn't need to tell Cousin Ricky. Who uh, knew? Um, everybody knew I was an addict. I mean, people along the way tried to help me. You know, my mom tried to help me. You know, Steve, if you just start using after 6 o'clock, you'd probably be okay. Um, P.M. she was talking about. I thought she meant A.M. I, you know, what do I know? You know, and other people. You know, employers would pull me aside and say, you know, let me help you here. Um, and, you know, you know, I would okey-doke them, and you don't understand, and you don't get it, and because um, I'm different. And if you love to use the way I love to use, you'd understand why I did the things I did. Um, nobody did, uh, except for my partner. I had a partner, and I'm going to talk about my partner for a minute. I had a partner, his name was Steve. Um, um, and uh, it wasn't an imaginary person. It really was a guy named Steve. I know what you're thinking. Another, another illusion, another uh, paranoid uh, illusion. No, he was real. Steve was real. And um, we were, uh, you know, we were partners. We, uh, he had the same appetite for the drug as I did. And, um, uh, you know, he, he would get, one time we were sitting at his dining room table and he was busy. Steve was the, the guy who did all the work. You know, he did all the cutting up and weighing and bagging and all that stuff. And, and, and I was like, it was like, did you ever see that, that cartoon with the, um, uh, it's kind of like a playoff of, um, um, anyways, there's the, there's the little guy who's the really smart guy, and then there's the big oaf that's kind of like uh, George and whoever it was, and it's off of one of Steinbeck's. Anyways, I, I was the oaf, and Steve was the, you know, the guy doing all the work, and, um, you know, I'd be, are we ready yet? Are we ready yet? Are we ready yet? Are we ready yet? We're ready now. Are we ready now? Are we ready now? Can I do it now? Can I do it now? Are you ready yet? Is that ours? Is that ours? You know, that was me. And, um... We were sitting in his dining room table one time, and he just got so frustrated and upset with me, he picked up a dining room chair and smashed it over my back to try and get me to shut up. Um, it wasn't funny then either. It's okay. Um, it hurt. Uh, but um, we were partners. And, um, uh, you know, when he, uh, uh, when he, when he got chipped off to, uh, 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 treatment. I didn't know what treatment was back then. Um, I thought they dressed you in pajamas, locked you in a house, and ditched it to you. Um, uh, he packed up all of his paraphernalia and gave it to me, and I was the one who took care of it. You know, because uh, he could trust me for that. You know, and uh, there were things that we uh, there were things that we um, we uh, depended on for one another. You know, I mean, uh, uh, if we needed cigarettes at three o'clock in the morning, I'd go get them. If uh, uh, he was the guy who kept us in beer, and um, you know we had responsibilities. But um, uh, but you know if if Steve wasn't paying attention and he left his bag on the table, I'd steal it um, uh, without hesitation, without without question, without thought. And if I wasn't looking, he'd take mine. And um, 
the way I describe it is that's the code of conduct that we live by. Um, that was the, you know, that was the foundation of our relationship. Uh, the fact that we both love to use. And um, uh, he, uh, he, was a, he was the first guy that I knew personally that kind of disappeared off the earth for a little while and then showed up again. You know, he'd gone into some facility somewhere. He worked for the mines and they discovered that, like me, he, you know, uh, he, uh, he had a, a drug problem. And um, uh, he disappeared and then showed up again. And, you know, I treated him like a leper because I didn't know what it was like until he was like, let's get loaded. And, ah, see that. Okay, we're good. Um, anyways, I don't know what I'm telling you about Steve. But um, he's dead. He died. He died in 1988 uh, alone in a, in a room uh, by himself, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way we die. Uh, lonely, uh, isolated, um, unemployable, uh, and sad, because he was a good guy. Steve was a good guy. Um, so anyway, so uh, the adventure, quit being the adventure. Uh, life really wasn't much of anything. My world just kept on getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller until I was in the basement of that old farmhouse, I had this one little 10 by 12 room uh, that had a window in the corner, but I had had that blacked out with some old garbage can lining because I didn't want to know if it was light or night or day. And, uh, you know, my best days back then was in that room with the door closed uh, uh, with bag. Um, that's where I wanted to be. And, you know, that was bliss. And, um, you know, and then uh, a point in time came when, when uh, Diane, my ex-wife, said, you got to go. you got to go. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that pleasant or that easy, but, um, but I did. I, I, I left, and I didn't, I didn't have anywhere else to go, um, so I, I went to a detox. And I didn't want to get clean. I didn't know what clean was. I, I didn't want to detox. I just didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, and so that's where I went. And... And everybody else was telling me I had a drug problem, but I still just knew that there was a way that I could use successfully. And I couldn't imagine life without drugs, is the truth. I couldn't imagine life without drugs. Um, I was scared. Um, so I end up in this, in this treatment center, and, um, you know, you showed up. Who does H&I? Raise your hand if you do H&I. Anybody hey, you ever been on H&I panel? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, give them people a hand. One of my favorite tasks is to go to the local detox. We got a detox at the treatment center, a big treatment center, a little detox, and uh, you know they march them in and they got their you know their 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 their, their blue pajamas on and their their paper slippers or their you know flip flops and. Uh, you know, there's always a guy in the back of the room with greasy hair and, uh, you know, and some shit mustache and, uh, you know, who desperately in need of a shower, uh, uh, you know, hitting on a girl who's trying to uh, look as cool as she can, uh, but is in real need of dental work, you know. And, uh, um, And those are our people, you know? I mean, those are the future leaders of Narcotics Anonymous, right there. Uh, yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah, and we try to pretend like you're not listening because listening's cool. Uh, listen isn't cool. And uh, and um, uh, and I go in, and I'm always the happiest guy in the room. No matter how bad my day is, when I go into that detox, I'm always the happiest guy in the room. And you know why I'm the happiest guy in the room? Because I was the guy in the paper slippers and that needed the shower. Um, and uh, and I was miserable. I was I was uh, hopeless. I was scared. Um, I had no idea. I felt like I was crawling away, trying to escape, and I was trying to escape this life, this tiny little life of desperation and disappointment. Um, and I had no idea really what I was doing was entering in to a world that you were going to show me that opened up broader than anything I could ever imagine. Um, uh, uh, and that's really where it started. That it started there in that detox when they came in with that panel. And, you know, they left that night and I thought, well, maybe, just maybe, there's people like me and Steve who, you know, who, who find a way to stop using. And, um, and then they took us to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Uh, you know, a regular narcotics, you know, put us in one of those white vans. They got white vans up here. They take kids, they, they take them in treatment center. They take the treatment center people in white vans. I don't know why they took white vans, but they took white, they always took white vans. Anyways, um, yeah, it's the surrender van. I never thought of that. It's the surrender van. That's what it is. I feel so, I feel so. I love that. I love that. Some people call them the druggy buggy. They're, they're the surrender van. I like that. Um, did I ever tell you about the yellow key tag? No, let me, tell, let me see if I say that. Save that one for later. Anyway, um, we show up uh, to the Double Bubble Group, one of the oldest groups in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and, um, and there's a guy standing at the door, and his name is Duncan. And, um, and Duncan welcomed me to his home group. Welcome us. What was welcoming everybody that night? He was the greeter. And um, he gave us a hug and uh, welcomed us to his, his home group. And i got to tell you, um, just, just that much, it took the edge off. Just that much, it made me a little less want to jump out of my skin. Uh, just that much, it made me not want to not run away. And um, boy, what a lesson I learned. What a lesson I learned. I mean, it took a while to really develop the complexity of what he taught me that night. Because um, there's so many facets to it. Uh, but um, today, 30 years later, if you come to Newhall, California on Thursday night at 7.30, used to be 8 o'clock, now it's 7.30. <laughs> We're getting a little old out there. And uh, we like to be in bed at the right time, you know. Um, of course, not my wife. My wife's not getting old, honey. You're not old. Um, I'm on the door. I'm on the door. And every week when I post up on the door, I take a minute, a second, uh, and I think about Duncan. I think about Duncan. Um, and, uh, you know, he taught me the, um, uh, uh, the, the value of welcoming somebody to my home group. And it certainly, it, it gives them, hopefully, it takes, it takes the edge off for them like it did for me, just a little bit, just enough to make it, 
just enough to make it a little bit more comfortable. And they don't have to walk all the way across the room because we've got a big room and we meet on the one side of the room. So they have to walk all the way across the room to actually get to the chairs. Uh, I'm certain that walk across the room isn't quite as hard uh, once somebody's greeted them at the door. I'm, I hope so. Um, the other thing is, it makes me feel the same as them. You know, I, I have this horrible thing that goes on inside of my head that says, I ain't good enough. I ain't good enough. If you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't let me be here. If, 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 if you know, it's your Groucho Marx line. If I, if, um, I would never have somebody like me be a member of my club. That's not exactly the way it goes, but you get the point. Um, we got this, you know, self-obsession has a couple of different components to them, and one of them is this, this, uh, this feeling of never being enough. And when I am the greeter at my home group, I'm enough. I feel equal to, to, to you. And, um, uh, you know, we feel the same. Um, and, and, and then there's the issue of, uh, of, of legacy. You know, that, that, you know, I carry forward Duncan's legacy. And we all do that. We all, you know, we have sponsorship. And sponsorship is all about legacy. I carry coin. I'm a little emotional. Um, I carry the coin from my sponsors. My sponsor's name is Steve. Um, a lot of good Steves in Narcotic Mountains. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll do the Steve pull. Hey, how many Steves are in the room? Any other Steve? Holy shit. Oh, thank God. Ooh, man, you like... <laughs> thought I was going to have to leave for a second. Ooh, man, I've never been to a one Steve meeting. Um, <laughs> The three Steve meeting you're at tonight, and maybe more. I don't trust. Anyway, um, I carry his legacy. I, you know, I pick up this medallion every morning and stick it in my pocket, and just for a second, I think about Steve. Um, I think about Victor all the time. Victor uh, is one of the guys that was on that detox that that, that night. And um, one of the cool things about Victor was, you know, my clean day saw the third in 1986. Victor's clean date was August 2nd in 1985. So for about 15 years while I was in Pittsburgh in recovery, I got to get up once a year, and there was the guy who delivered the message in Archives Anonymous that night to me in that detox, standing next to me getting his coin. Um, and he used to give me a gold one. And um, uh, legacy, you know, uh, uh, we, uh, we touched one another around here in so many ways. And then, and then the other piece is what we do in meetings. Um, we come there and we share with one another. Strangers in every way, really. I mean, I, maybe home group members, we know one another, but most of you people have never seen me and I've never seen you. And as, 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 as much as I'm sharing with you tonight, I know you'd share with me. And we may never see each other again, ever. But for a minute, we touch one another. You know, we make ourselves available to hear, we make ourselves vulnerable to share. And, and, and then we go on about our lives. I mean, I just think that's fucking beautiful. It's just beautiful. Um, from a guy who was locked up desperately south. You know, there's a, somebody got a basic text handy? There was a, um, there's a passage in the basic text, in the, in the how it works, that talks about the prisons we build for ourselves out of, um, Fear and loneliness. I can't remember exactly. It's the, it's the part of the, the, the how it works between 
the how it works reading that we do in the, in the meetings in the beginning of the first step. There's a paragraph in there that talks about prisons of isolation that we, that we build for ourselves. And that's what I did. That's what we do. Um, and then we come here and we're able to touch one another and carry around pieces of each other's spirit really for the rest of our lives. And I just love that part of, uh, of what we do here in NA. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know you guys were the gift. I mean, I got the whole deal about stop using, use the desire to use and find a new way to live. And, you know, if it stopped there, that was plenty enough. That was way more than I... Lose the desire to use? You've got to be kidding me. Um, I, you know, that was beyond the, uh, the ability to understand when I first got here, but it's happened for me. And then find a new way to live. That has happened. But then, you know, to have the, the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, uh, to connect with all of you, it's just, um, uh, wasn't expecting that part. And this last year, this last year, um, let me see where I'm at. This last year, I sponsored some guys, and two of them, each for different reasons, have, um, with both with over 25 years clean. Um, guys I've known and sponsored for years and years and years have uh, decided to stop being members of Narcotics Anonymous. And, um, uh, you know, they're not out there robbing banks and, you know, stopping traffic with uh, a handgun naked. I have one sponsor who did that, by the way. <laughs> thought that was a fundraising endeavor he did. Um, he had socks on. He likes to remind me he had socks on. Um, Marco, you were naked. Um, uh, and I just remembered I did something very similar, actually. Nevertheless, um, you know, these guys checked out. I mean, these are guys that, you know, we, we did step work together. I mean, you know, we did conventions. We, you know, we, we were brothers in recovery. And, um, and they decided that, you know, that this wasn't for them anymore after 25 years. I, and there you look, we all get to make our own choices around here. You know, life provides us that opportunity to make our own choices. And I don't know if the choices were right or wrong for them. I mean, I suspect that they wouldn't be right for me, but, you know, that's their choice. But what I do know is both of them describe a life that is a life without Narcotics Anonymous, a life without NA, a life without all of you. Um, I might as well be back in the, in the basement of the, of the farmhouse, guys. I mean, that's, I, I mean, one of the things, one of the, again, one of the unforeseen gifts I got around here was the ability to be a part of a society, of a fellowship. Uh, people I care for who care for me. You know, I show up places and, um, uh, and uh, people are happy to see me, or at least they act like it. And, uh, and, that's, and that's enough for me, because they weren't even acting like it back then. You know, John wasn't happy, that's for sure. Um, and, um, uh, and so let me real quick, somebody's got the Traditions book in this room. Somebody in this room got the Traditions Hold up the Traditions book if you got it. I just, I wanted to do this real quick. That's the new book, Our Guiding Principles. I just want to take a look. That's right. 
Okay, here we go. Here we go. You're hearing it first. Um, unity changes us. When we rise above our differences, we start to understand who we are, how we fit, how much we have to offer the world. The degradation of addiction robs us of self-respect. The care and respect, respect we show each other in Narcotics Anonymous reminds us our own value and humility. The experience of unity restores us to dignity. That's a portion of the, uh, the guiding principle text. Um, the first tradition reminds me that, well, by the way, the steps are an effort to help me do things I'm not inclined to do. I'm not inclined to be honest with myself. That's why I need a first step. I lie to myself, and I believe my lies. I mean, the most outlandish lies, and I believe them. Like I said, sell two and keep five. Or whether keep five and sell two. I don't remember. Anyways, um, uh, I, I, even today, 30 years in recovery, I will lie to myself and believe it. Um, the steps are an effort to help me uh, uh, do things I'm not inclined to do. Help me to do things I'm not inclined to do. The traditions are an effort to help me avoid things I am inclined to do. They're an effort to help me avoid things I am inclined to do. And you know one of the things I'm inclined to do? You're going to find this hard to believe. I'm inclined to argue. I never met an addict that didn't like to argue. You know, I'll argue even if I know I'm wrong just because, you know, I, I like a good fight. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the traditions say it's not until we get involved in service until we, uh, that we point out that uh, you're an asshole. Um, I didn't really mean to say that. Um, but I couldn't remember the rest of it, so that's the part I said. Actually, I was in West Virginia one time, and that's what they say. It's not until you get involved in service that someone points out that you're an asshole. And I said, you know what? They're right! Um, Nobody ever called me that in my home group before when I showed up at the ASC um, because I like to fight. We like to fight. We fight a lot. And uh, we have a tradition. What's the tradition tell us? It tells us unity is paramount. Unity is paramount. That's what it says in the Guiding Principles book. Um, I used to think what was paramount was who's right. Who's right was always what was paramount. Or more importantly, who won. Who won. That was more even. Winning was more important than being right. And, um, and that tradition reminds me that being right isn't what's most, what isn't what's most important. Winning isn't what's most important. Uh, unity is what's most important. And, uh, uh, and, and so I am inclined to fight. And I need a first tradition to remind me, don't fight. I need a first step to remind me, don't believe your lies. Um, I need a second tradition to remind me other people might have some information. You know, I never listen to other people. Thank you very much. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, I, never re I never recognized the fellowship of NA as a power greater than myself. And, uh, and um, I didn't think marrying uh, wife number one as wife number three was necessarily insane. Um, I didn't think I needed to be restored to sanity. I never married wife number three, by the way. I'm on wife number two, and she's the last one. Um, and in case you didn't know, I love my wife. Um, uh, you know, it's these simple lessons that maybe other people don't need them, but I do. Uh, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you do, because I hear the way you share in meetings, too. And, uh, you know, these things change my life. They change my life. Uh, they, they make it so that I can participate in the world. And, you know, and again, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. 
you know, I ended up, you know, I'm a guy who quit going to, quit going to school in ninth grade because he got in the way of getting loaded. And if something got in the way of getting high, he had to go. Uh, you know, my last job, I was a college professor. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, couldn't, I needed to take remedial reading classes when I showed up at NA because We Do Recover was a little bit too much for me. You know, it was a reading level a couple of grades higher than the one I left. And, um, uh, and it just keeps on getting better. You know, I, uh, like Paul said, I, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to, uh, 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 yeah, it's a little uncomfortable to share about. I, you know, I, I work at the World Service Office. Um, I'm, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm not Steve R. Um, and, um, <laughs> I apologize to anybody. Well, you know, I had an exchange with a woman uh, the other day, and she said, uh, it was an email exchange, and she said, when you're ready to do your ninth, next ninth step, you have my contact information. <laughs> yeah. I, that one hurt. That one hurt. Anyway, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity to serve, uh, or to be a resource, not to serve. You guys serve. I'm an employee. I'm a... Eighth tradition, um, living, breathing special worker, and uh, we get to stand behind you guys and gals as you open up NA meetings, as you deliver H&I panels, as you uh, talk to inmates and they write us letters, as you uh, engage with treatment centers and professionals who are looking to try and get meetings started, as you serve as regional delegates or RCMs or GSRs. As you do all that stuff that you do to carry forward the mission of Narcotics Anonymous, to carry the NA message, um, I, I get to stand behind. I get to be one of the people that stands behind you and, and be a resource for you. And what a what a humbling uh, and uh, a wonderful opportunity that is. Uh, I don't make no mistake. No matter what you hear from anybody, there's not one day that goes by that I'm not grateful. Every time I walk through that door, it's like picking up this coin from Steve. Every time I walk through that door, I'm grateful. I'm in touch with the work that you do for this fellowship, and I am so grateful I get to support you in that work. Thank you for that. Has it changed 170 times? Because they told me once it changes 170 times, I'm done. Has, it, has, it has anybody been keeping track? I should just put forward to the count. Let me, let me just check my list here, because sometimes... Yellow key tag. Yellow key tag. Yellow key tag. So, so, you know, the key tags have a color code to them, you know, and there's a different ones like orange is orange, you're glad you're at a meeting, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and blue is don't be blue, go to a meeting, and... Uh, and, and the black one is actually black and gold. Uh, those are sealer colors, by the way, in case you want to Oh, and penguin colors. Um, but, um, no, that's not really true. But um, the yellow one is yellow. That's why they call it the yellow key tag, because it's yellow. And, uh, and yellow stands for urine. Urine, yeah, urine, urine. Uh, you're in the right place when you're in a narcotics anonymous meeting. That's right. Okay, let me do one more. Let me do one more. Anybody new in their room, raise your hand. 30 days or less. 30 days or less, raise your hand. Woo!
I got some good news and some bad news. The good news is, there's a solution to your problem. The bad news is, we're it. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just want to, uh, uh, raise your hand if you first convention. First convention. Woo! Just because it's ten gallons of coffee on the floor doesn't mean you guys drink it all. Okay? Uh, just because they got 150 Red Bulls over at the Starbucks doesn't mean you need to buy them all. Uh, just because there's marathon meetings all night doesn't mean you're not supposed to sleep at some time this weekend. I mean, you could do all those things, many of us have, uh, but um, uh, it's, not, it's not designed that way. Uh, but, but truly, truly, welcome to, uh, uh, to the, uh, the Canadian Convention of Narcotics Anonymous number... 24, 24, yeah. Welcome to the adventures. Hang on tight, because it truly is a, uh, quite a ride. And, uh, and more than anything else, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you. buy all of the shares for this weekend. See them at registration. They'll be happy to sell them Can I ask you please circle up quickly and we'll close the meeting with a third step